Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good to see you here this morning. Get your worship guide out, if you will, and flip it over to the back side. If you have a Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, if you got a smartphone or a tablet or something like that, let me see the glow of God's word come up on your face as you open that up as well. We, we started this series last week, a uh, four-week series in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And last Sunday, we looked at the first seven verses uh, of Hebrews chapter 7, where we, or chapter 11, where we uh, learned this about faith. Faith is this, it's the confident assurance about things not yet visible because they were promised by God in his word. And that was the, the definition that we learned from the first couple of verses of Hebrews chapter 11 last week. And we learned about three different guys last Sunday. We talked about Abel who worshiped by faith. We talked about Enoch that walked by faith. And then we talked about Noah that worked by faith. And all of these three guys obeyed God and did what God told them to do because they had trust in the belief in God's promises. Well, this morning we're in verses 8 through 19 of Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at just one guy. We're going to look at the life of one guy that did a whole lot more than just believe, okay? He acted on what he believed, even when all of the details, even when all the circumstances weren't clear to him, and really a lot of them didn't even make sense to him. Have you ever been asked to do something and when you got asked to do it, it just, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. You're like, you know what, really, this just doesn't make sense. I don't really want to do that. That doesn't make sense. But later on, you got all the details and then once you got the details, it made sense. There's, there's been a number of times in my life where that has happened, but uh, a couple in particular in the almost 29 years that my wife and I have been married. She has thrown a couple different birthday parties for me, but they were surprise birthday parties. Now, I'm a tough person to surprise because I'm, I'm super skeptical. I ask too many questions. I, I'm real, very particular about watching our finances and seeing where money gets spent. And so I, I ask a whole lot of questions. And uh, both times when my wife was throwing me a birthday party, I'd start asking too many questions. And my wife finally, in both times, would just say to me, would you just stop asking questions and just trust me? Just trust me, okay? Just trust me. And both times when I did that, later on I found out, okay, she was throwing me a birthday party and, and it all made sense what she was asking me to do at the time. When my son was a toddler, uh, he was running around the house, he got this fascination with uh, the, the power outlets, the plugs in the wall in our house. And as a toddler, I didn't take time to explain to him the why. I just said, Cody, leave those alone. Don't, don't touch those. Don't bother those. But I didn't, I didn't explain the why behind it. And so that didn't make sense to him as a toddler why he would have to leave those alone. 
So I'm sitting in the den one day and I'm watching TV and Cody's running around and I hear this loud pop behind me in the room. And Cody had found a screwdriver and he stuck the screwdriver into the power outlet and it lit him up and it lit the room up, left this mark on the wall. And from then on out, I never had to explain to him the why. It all made sense at that point. I had asked him not to do something. He didn't get the explanation. But from then on out, he didn't have to get the explanation and why because it made sense. Well, In Genesis chapter 12, all the way back to the beginning of our Bible, the first book of the Bible, it moves from the narrative of creation through the genealogies, through the flood, the Tower of Babel, and it goes to the discussion of one single family for the remaining 38 chapters of the book of Genesis. It's the family of Abraham. And the whole story begins with God coming to Abraham and telling him he was going to leave his hometown, he was going to leave everything that he'd known, his family, his livelihood, and go to a land, go to a place, well, well, Abraham, we'll just tell you when you get there. And here's the crazy part about that. Abraham just did it. He just obeyed what God told him to do and he didn't have all the details and it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to him at the time but he just obeyed without any kind of explanation. Abraham went because he believed God, but specifically Abraham believed a promise that God had made to him. And you find that in Genesis chapter 12, verses two through four. And it says this, God said to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old and he departed when he departed from Haran. So Abraham was, had, had strong faith. He did exactly what God asked him to do. We see that there in Genesis. But here's the amazing thing. Not only was Abraham's faith strong, it was so strong that he's also mentioned in the New Testament in this chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. So our, our reading picks up today in verse number eight of Hebrews chapter 11 and it says this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Here's the first thing that I want us to get as we look at this passage today. Abraham obeyed God when he didn't know where he was going. Abraham said, okay, God, I don't know where we're going. I don't know where this is going to end up for me, but I'm just going to obey. Now, imagine, imagine the situation that Abraham is in. Most people during that time, they stayed in the same village their entire life. I mean, where they were born, they just grew up there. They lived there. They spent their entire life there. Most people lived in the same house their entire life. And, and it was so much better to live and grow up in your hometown, your home village, than to live in a foreign land. 4,000 years ago, a stranger in a strange land was a, a, a terrible place to be in. It, it was, uh, you, you would face discrimination. You would f- face hatred. And so it was better just to stay in your own village. And yet God's asking him to pack up all his stuff and leave. Now, most of us, we live very cautious lives. 
And if you'll just think for a second, most of us do everything that we can to, to live very cautious lives. What do we tell our kids when they leave? Maybe a, a child's going out the door and they're getting ready to get in a car with a friend or maybe they're getting ready to drive themselves somewhere. And what are the things we tell them as parents? We say, be careful. Don't talk to any strangers. Keep your cell phone on. If you're driving, keep your cell phone off. Don't answer it. Don't text. Check in with me when you get there. Why, why do we say all this stuff? Because we live very cautious lives and we want our children to live very cautious lives. But listen, when it comes to our faith and obeying what God tells us in his word, we are to live with a certain sense of abandonment. We're to live with this, this certain reckless willingness to follow God's voice even when we don't know where we're to go. Sometimes we've got to accept, listen, and follow even when we don't know every detail of the where. If I can see, listen, if I can see every step of the journey, if I can see every step of the journey of where I'm going, then it's not faith. If I can see every step of the journey, then it's sight. I'm walking by sight and saying, okay, God, I see. I see it's not going to work out when I get up there, so I'm not going to go. But if, I'm, if, I, if I can't see, then that's walking by faith. Now, I've got to admit with you, I struggle with this. When, when God moves on my heart to do something or to go somewhere, man, I want all the details. I want to know the how. I want to know the why. I want to know how it's all going to work out. I like security. I like to be in the know. When I was about in the fourth grade, we were living in Indiana at the time. My dad was pastoring a church there. And my parents sat me and my sister down and said, we've got some news for you. And my dad looked at us and said, we're moving. Well, as a fourth grader, my first question was, where? Where are we going? I mean, if I'm going to leave all of my friends, where are we going? Where are we going? And my dad told us that God's called me and God called our family. We're going to move to Atlanta and we are going to start a church. Now, as a fourth grader, I didn't know where Atlanta was, and this seemed just crazy to me. We didn't have a place to live. We didn't have a church building. We didn't have a group of people to have church with, and we packed up everything that we owned in a U-Haul, and we moved our family from Indiana to Atlanta to start a church because God had told us to do it, and it was a huge step of faith, especially as a child, to see that. Now, imagine what Abraham's going through here. He says to his wife, honey, we're moving. Now, she probably had to think, moving? What, what does that even mean? Everybody stays where they were born. Where are we going? I, I don't know where we're going. We're, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. But where? I guess God will just let us know when we're supposed to stop. Can you imagine hearing that? But Abraham didn't have all of the details, but chose to obey anyway. Trusting God and having faith in God is kind of like a flashlight. It's kind of like a headlamp. Now, I turned this on in the first service and shined in people's eyes, and I'm not going to do that this service. But it's kind of like a flashlight. It's kind of like a headlamp. And if you are out at night and you're walking through a trail or whatever, and it's dark and you can't see, the flashlight or the headlight, what does it do? It lights up the first few steps right in front of you. And so I can't see all the way to the end of my destination. It doesn't light that far. It only lights the steps in front of me. But every time I take a step, it gets out a little farther 
and I take another step where I can see and the light gets out a little farther and I take another step where I can see and the light gets a little farther. And that's exactly how it is with faith in God and trusting God. God doesn't shine the light of his will all the way to the very end of the path. That would probably scare me to death. But God says, you know what? I'm gonna light up right in front of you. Here's the first steps that I want you to take, so trust me. Well, God, I wanna know how it's all gonna end. I wanna know who, it's, who I'm gonna marry and how many kids I'm gonna have and, and, and what it's gonna, no, God says, no, just trust me right now. Just take the first steps. Okay, I'll do that. Well, you know what happens when I take that step? When you don't know the where is what Abraham did. Let's keep reading. Look at verse number 11. By faith, Sarah, now we're introducing Sarah to the story. Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. God made a promise, she considered him faithful. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were both descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So Abraham believed when he didn't know and he trusted God, had faith when he didn't know where they were going. But Abraham obeyed when he didn't know how the promise was gonna be fulfilled. God, you, you've made this promise that I'm gonna be a dad and I'm gonna be the father of many nations, but I don't see how in the world this is gonna work. In Genesis chapter 17, Abraham is almost 100 years old. Sarah was 90. And God appears to him and says, hey, Abraham, you're gonna have a son. And the Bible says that when Abraham heard this, he fell down and started laughing. Yeah, you ever laugh so hard that you just fell down? Maybe you're sitting in your seat or you're sitting on the sofa and somebody says something so funny. You just fall over, you bend over, maybe you fall on the floor. That's what's going on here. He just falls down laughing. He says, can a, can a, a child be born to a man 100 years old? And at first, listen, at first, Abraham is thinking with human logic. How can this be possible? I'm almost 100 Guys my age aren't having kids. Guys my age aren't signing their kids up for Little League, okay? This isn't, this isn't humanly possible. And when you're thinking, listen to me, when you're thinking with human logic, we have doubts. And for way too many of us that grew up in the church, we have been told at church, your doubts aren't welcome here. Your doubts aren't welcome at church. You can just leave your doubts at the door if you're gonna come into church. And that's what a lot of us heard growing up. God said it, you just better believe it. Don't ever question it if God said it. And that's what a lot of us heard growing up. But can I, can I let you off the hook a little bit this morning? If you've ever had doubts or if you've ever had questions, questions about God, questions about faith, or maybe even questions about faith in God, you're in good company. You are in good company. I've had doubts. I've had doubts about faith. I've had doubts about God. I've had days where I've had doubts. I've had seasons where I've had doubts. And some of you right now are saying, wait, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to say that out loud. But I've had doubts. Look at this. Look at, real quick, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 takes place after the resurrection, okay? Jesus is already raised from the dead. Matthew 28, verse number 16 says this. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but look at the next few words. But some of them doubted. 
This is a group of guys that had spent time with Jesus. They'd walked with Jesus. And now here's 11 of these guys. They're looking eyeball onto the resurrected body of Jesus. And some of them still doubted. They still doubted. Why? Because they were thinking with human logic. People that had been crucified, they don't typically walk around, okay? People that had been crucified, they usually don't hang out with their friends and go out to eat. They couldn't understand the how. I love the story in Mark chapter 9 where a man brings his son to Jesus. The boy had been having seizures since he was little. And the man says this to Jesus. He said, Jesus, would you please have mercy on us and help us if you can? And Jesus says, if I can? He said, all things are possible if you believe. And do you remember what the man said to Jesus? He said, I believe in you, Jesus, but would you help me with my unbelief? This guy had faith in Jesus, but he also had some doubts. Don't miss this. Your your doubts don't disqualify your faith. Just because you're doubting doesn't mean that you aren't a believer anymore. Doubt is not the mortal enemy of your faith. Doubt is often an invitation to a deeper faith and deeper trust in Jesus. And because you, just because you have doubt, it doesn't mean you're losing faith. Abraham had a bout with doubt. And yet he had enough trust in God that he was able to push through. So we, we got this story about Abraham in Genesis, 38 chapters of it. He gets mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the, the, the hall of faith. But did you know that Abraham's story is also found in the book of Romans? Romans chapter four, look at verse number 18. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. Listen, humanly speaking, it was impossible for a 100-year-old guy to be having kids through the womb of a 90-year-old woman. I get it. But living by faith means believing that with God, nothing is impossible. Fully trusting, listen, fully trusting in God means that I don't have to know the how all of the time. I just trust him. And the strongest faith is not a faith that never doubts. It's a faith that grows through the doubt. This past December, my daughter graduated from UTC. She finished with her degree a semester early and we were so proud of her. So we begin to think and pray, what, what does God have next for you? And so one night she sat my wife and I down and she said, um, I think God wants me to do some postgraduate work at a school in Alabama. So she began to talk to us about it and I said, you really believe this is what God wants? She said, I really believe, I've been praying about it and I really believe this is what God wants me to do. And then she told us how much it was. And for this first part of the school was $7,000. So I said to her, I said, Kenzie, if you believe that's what God wants you to do, he will provide, but he's going to have to provide. This is something that, that you're going to have to figure out you're going to have to do. And she said, Dad, I just believe that's what God wants. 
And she had this deadline date where she had to have their first thousand dollar deposit to get into the school. So she began to pray and she began to trust God that that's exactly what God wanted her to do. And miraculously, and when I say miraculously, I mean miraculously, God provided $1,000 for her to get into the school. And she texted me and she said, God provided this money. I'm so excited. And we were excited. We were thrilled for it. God provided this money. And every single time there was the next deadline where money had to come in to send to this school, God would miraculously provide the money for her to get in. And in two and a half months, God provided 100% of the money that she needed to go to this school. And I looked back and I thought, you believe that God told you to do something. You didn't know the how. You didn't know how it would happen. You just believed that God had said to do it, to take a step of faith. You did it, and then God said, I'll take care of the how as long as you take that first step and obey. Let's keep reading. Look at verse number 13. Scripture says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired, look at these next few words, a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So Abraham didn't know where they were going. He didn't know how God was going to do it. But look, here's the third thing. Abraham obeyed when he didn't know when the promise would be fulfilled. God said, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you descendants. But Abraham didn't know when. Now, the better country that's mentioned here in verse number 16 is talking about heaven. And yes, God promised Abraham land. He promised him descendants. Uh, The land that we, we, we talk about here is Canaan, the promised land. But as you know, the promised land was not fulfilled during Abraham's lifetime. So all of this time, he lived as a stranger in a strange land. He lived in tents. But Abraham's faith, listen, Abraham's faith also had patience. Patience. Now here's another part of faith that I struggle with. I struggle with the waiting. I struggle with the wind. I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait in traffic. I don't like to wait on the doctor. I don't like to wait on my food. And I struggle when it comes to waiting on God. And my human nature, my selfish human nature is very impatient. I've got a friend that took his twin grandsons to Walmart one day. Got them both in the buggy there and he's pushing them through Walmart. And every time they would pass some toys or they would pass candy or they would pass something like this, the grand, grandsons would say, Grandpa, I want that. I want that toy. Grandpa, I want that. I want that candy. Get me this, get me this, get me this. And he kept trying to put them off. And finally he said, you know what? Maybe for your birthday, I'll get you that. Or maybe for Christmas, I'll get you that. Or maybe for a special day, I'll get you that. And the grandsons were exasperated. They weren't getting anything. And finally, one of them said to him, Grandpa, I want something that I can take home today. I want something for now. Have you ever felt like that with God? God, you, you, you said you'd answer my prayers. God, you, you said you've got my best in mind. You said that you care about me. So what's taking so long? Some of you have been believe, believing God for healing. Some of you have been believing God for a child, for a job, for a mate. 
And maybe you're, you're tired of waiting and you say, God, I, I just want to know the when. When is this going to happen? I'm reminded of Jackie Estes in our church. Jackie prayed for her husband, Tommy, for 27 years. For 27 years, she prayed that Tommy would come to faith in Jesus. And day after day, she prayed for him and she wrote it in her journal and she believed God that God was gonna save her husband, not knowing the when, but for 27 years, she prayed for him. And in 2019, Tommy trusted Jesus as his savior and I baptized him right there in this room. And 27 years of praying, she didn't know the when, but she believed by faith that God was going to answer her prayer. You remember Abraham's story? God promised him a son with Sarah. But Abraham got a little ahead of God and he wasn't willing to wait. And he thought that he would help God out and so he, he, he fathered a child with Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, but that, that wasn't God's plan. He, hear me today. The only thing more difficult than waiting on God is wishing that you had wishing that you had. As a matter of fact, you can, you can save yourself a lot of time and heartache by waiting on God. Now, Abraham's faith was faith that looked beyond this world. And that's where most of us struggle with the win is because I want God to answer me right now. I want him to answer me here. And sometimes God says, no, it, it's, not, it's not here and not right now. And the secret is to look beyond this world. Maybe it's, it's God's answer is bigger than just right here. Also, Abraham had the conviction and the assurance that God will keep his promise either instantly or distantly. And we all want the instantly, don't we? We all like instant. I want my food instant. I want to go through the drive-thru and I want you to make it right now. We all want instant. God fix my health, get, fix my money, my job, my spouse, my kids. But the answer for Abraham was not instantly, it was distantly, it was in heaven. Some of you in here, you're struggling with the win. Okay, God, I've trusted you, but let's move on. I've been praying, but it's time to move on. We want an instant, we want you to move already. Let's move on to the next stage. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for an answer. And sometimes the most difficult part of faith in God is waiting on the win. Because sometimes God answers instantly, but many times God's answer is distantly. Please don't be over, so overcome with the win that you miss the what that God is doing in the waiting. God's doing something during your waiting and you're so consumed with the win that you're missing that. Here's two things very quickly to do when you're waiting on the wind. First of all, prioritize God's plan over your preferences. Prioritize God's plan for your life over your preferences. Right now, the answer is right now. Okay, God, I, I want you to answer right now, right now, right now. Maybe that's not God's plan. Maybe God wants to teach you something through the waiting. Prioritize conformity to Christ over comfort from Christ. Maybe God's trying to conform you to the image of his son. And you're saying, God, I want you to just comfort me. I want you to just fix everything. And God's saying, no, I'm trying to conform you to the image of my son. 
If you're struggling, hear me, if you're struggling with the win, I'm gonna put a prayer up on the screen behind me right now. Some of you need to get your phone out. You need to take a picture of this because you need to pray it every single day. If you're struggling with the win, if you've been asking God for something and saying, God, how come you haven't answered yet? How come you haven't answered yet? How come you haven't answered yet? Some of you need to pray this prayer every single day. You need to get up in the morning and say, God, I want to know the win. But I'm going to choose to prioritize your will over my wants. I'm going to choose to prioritize being comforted or conformed to Christ over seeking comfort from Christ. Some of you need to get up every day and you need to pray that. And listen, it's okay to say, I want to know the win. But then let him know, I'm willing to wait to be conformed to the image of Christ. Let's read the last few verses. Verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And and who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Here's the last thing. Abraham didn't know the where. He didn't know the how. He didn't know the when. And Abraham obeyed when he didn't know why God was working in what seemed to be unreasonable ways. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where what God was doing seemed to be super unreasonable to you? God, this just doesn't make sense. This isn't even good, God. Why are you doing this? And Abraham obeyed even when he didn't know the why. Now, the background to this story is in Genesis chapter 22. God had given Abraham and Sarah Isaac the promise to, the answer to the promise. And then God comes back and says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son that you love, and I want you to take him to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him to me. What does Abraham do with that? He gets two servants, he gets a donkey, he gets Isaac, he gets things for a sacrifice, he gets the the things for an altar, and they start heading up. They travel two days. And then he leaves the two servants there. And if you read through scripture, you know what he says to the two servants? He says, we are going up to the mountain to worship. And then he says, we will be back. He had faith that both of them were coming back. He didn't know how God was going to answer the promise, but he believed in God. So they get up there. He builds this altar. He ties up Isaac. He puts him on the altar. He draws his knife out to slay his only son. And God says, Abraham, no, don't do it. Now I know that you fear me. Now that I know that you trust me, don't do anything to harm the boy. God provided a sacrifice and Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And God swore on himself there. And he said, I'm gonna bless you. Your descendants and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And God confirmed his Genesis 12 promise again with Abraham. And sometimes it seems that God is moving in unreasonable ways. And we want to know the why. Let me give you real quickly as we close three thoughts about the why. They're there on your notes. Three thoughts about the why. Sometimes the why is God testing my loyalty to him. Sometimes the why, when it seems like God's working in an unreasonable way, sometimes God's testing my loyalty Luke 14, 26 says this, if you want to be my disciple, Jesus is speaking. He said, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your life, otherwise you can't be my disciple. That seems a little unreasonable, Jesus. 
Well, Jesus is saying, I want to test your loyalty to me. I I don't want you to turn your back on all the people that you love and hate them. I just want you to prove that you're loyal to me. And sometimes in the waiting, the unreasonable things that God is doing is testing our loyalty to him. Sometimes the why is to bring me back to a place of dependence on him. Man, I've, I've had some things in my life that seemed unreasonable. And I came to the place where I realized I've been trusting in myself I've been depending on myself and God's bringing something into my life to get my attention, to bring me back to a place of dependence upon him. Sometimes the why is to remind me of God's faithfulness to me. But I've been faithful. I've taken care of you in the past. Don't forget that. I've taken care of you in the past. Don't forget that. Do you remember the story in Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus and and Peter both walk on the water. You remember that story? The disciples are out in a boat. It's about three o'clock in the morning. It's dark outside. And they see what looks like a a ghost walking across the water. But it's Jesus. And Jesus calls out to them and says, hey, don't be afraid, it's me. And what does Pete do? He says, Jesus, if it's you, let me come walk to you on the water. And what does Jesus say? He says, come on. And so Peter starts walking out on the water. And you remember the story, how he gets scared by the storm. He starts to sink. And that's the part of the story where we all like to bash on Peter for his lack of faith. And we quote Jesus where he says, why do you doubt me? And we're just bashing and hammering on Peter. Let me put it in this perspective. Was there anybody else in the boat that got out and walked on the water? Just go ahead and shake your head like this. It took some faith on Peter's part from the beginning just to step out. But he steps out and he sinks and Jesus says, why do you doubt me? Think with me for just a second about that story. What if Jesus' question to Peter was not condemning him, but was encouraging him? What if Jesus looked at Peter as he was sinking and rather than condemning him, what if he had a loving smile on his face? What if the inflection in Jesus' voice was something more like this? Pete, why are you down me, man? You know I've never let you down. Pete, you know I love you. The first thing the verse 31 says is that Jesus reached out his hand and he grabbed him. An outreached hand, listen to me, an outreached hand to rescue is done out of love. It's not done out of condemnation. Peter was drowning in his doubt and Jesus reached out and lovingly grabbed him right in the middle of his doubt. And Jesus reminded him of his faithfulness to him. Now, I know that that probably all happened real quick. But I I think, I have to imagine in my mind, if Jesus had had a little more time, if it had all been kind of in slow motion, I think Jesus probably would have said, Pete, you remember the loaves and fishes? Crazy story, huh? You remember the water to wine thing? You remember how the blind see and the deaf hear? You remember people being raised from the dead? Peter, why are you doubting now? Let me ask you, 
What's God asking you to do? What step of faith is God asking you to take and to trust him today? In Matthew chapter 17, a man brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples. The disciples weren't able to cast the demon out. So the man brings the boy to Jesus and he says, your disciples couldn't do this. This is what Jesus said in verse number 20 of Matthew 17. He said, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had the faith even as small as a mustard seed. Some of you today, you, you need to take a step of faith. God's asked you to do something. And you're still waiting on the, the where. You're still waiting on the when. You're still waiting on the how. You're still waiting on the why. And God's saying, just, just trust me. Just, just take that step and I'll, I'll light up the next step and I'll light up the next step and I'll light up the next step. But I'm not giving you the where and the when and the why and the, the how. You, you just need to trust me. You, you don't have to have faultless faith. You just need the faith of a mustard seed. Because faith, it's a journey. It's not a destination. So step out in faith. Trust God. Trust his promises without knowing the where and the when and the how and the why. Just believe he's got your best in mind. Father, thank you today for this incredible story we find three times in our Bible. The guy that didn't have all the details. He didn't get everything explained to him. But he trusted you anyway. When you asked him to do something, he just obeyed and took a step. Lord, I know there's, there's many people in this room right now that you've asked to obey. And maybe we're still waiting on the, well, where, God? How's it gonna happen, God? Why are you working this way, God? When? Help us just to trust you. Trust and obey. To take that step. Have faith and patience with that faith. Please help us today to obey. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.